So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities, and though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, Matthew, we're going to find out that actions have repercussions. Yeah, and... In the worst way. Adventure Comics number 324, The Legion of Super Outlaws. Published September 1964. Written by Edmund Hamilton with art by John Forte. A mighty new team of heroes arises, harboring an unexpected grudge against the teen heroes of the Legion. Matthew, did you know that this issue is the very first appearance of Beast Boy? I did know that. However, it's probably not the Beast Boy that most people think of when they think of Beast Boy. Oh, wah wah. Sorry. Who, who the heck Be- are th- who the heck are these guys? In fact, uh, Beast Boy that people know mm-hmm. appeared in 1965. This issue came out right. in 1964, so predates that name by almost a year. Yeah, or just over and a year. The thing about it, again, this is a point in DC history where there isn't necessarily intertidal continuity. Mm-hmm. So what was happening in Doom Patrol at this point in time really didn't have any input in Legion of Superheroes. But Garfield Logan, the new Teen Titan, first appeared in 65. This is one of the heroes of Lalor. And this is fascinating about the heroes of Lalor. Well, because, this whole story is fascinating. Yeah. The, the heroes of Lalor basically are one of the first times that we established that there are heroes – in this case, they call them a legion of super outlaws, but they're just another planet superheroes who are equal to the challenge of a legionnaire. They're not necessarily 27 guys, but the five you know, super outlaws, the five heroes of Lalor are actually really interesting, really powerful guys in and of themselves. So they, they got their powers because they were born too close to a nuclear blast zone. So this, this crazy dictator of this planet, well, actually, he's the president of this one portion of the planet, is mm-hmm. doing nuclear tests because he wants to use the nuclear bombs to solidify his control of the entire planet, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this nuclear accident, and then these five kids are born and they were all born in the uh, fallout zone, I guess the fallout region. Yep. And they all have these mutated powers. So like yep. one guy, beast boy, he can turn into any animal. Then yep. you have like gas girl who can turn into any form of gas. Yes. Then you have evolution boy. Who can, oh, I'm sorry. Evolvo lad who can take himself forward in time and become, you know, a super smart giant head, or he mm-hmm. can devolve himself back in time and become some kind of ape creature. Right. Uh, then you have, uh, was it Life Girl? Lifeless. 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 Uh, she can take anything that is not alive and yep. make it alive, which is, 
I got questions about that because she makes it alive. Does that mean it's like alive like a plant or like is it have sentience or does it just become mobile and obey your commands? See, I think in this case, mobile and obey her commands. Okay. But this is a 1964 Legion story, so they don't really address it. And I forget who the fifth one is. Duplicate boy. Oh, duplicate boy. Who? Because he's Whose like the main per- the person in the story. Unique of all. Is it? Is it really? Because duplicate boy's powers is he can duplicate anyone else's powers, and he doesn't have to do it like Rogue does, where she has to touch you, and right. so he can be anyone. So if he can be all of the others, why do we need all of the others? Well, there's two reasons. Uh, primarily. Because all heroes are better on teams, and even Duplicate Boy wouldn't be able to fight all 20 Legionnaires. And secondly, and this is not a joke, this is actually part of Legion lore, Duplicate Boy is something of a dullard. Is he? Yeah, Duplicate Boy, part of the reason that Duplicate Boy is not the most powerful person in existence is because he doesn't really have any imagination. Mm. He is not too bright. And he is not particularly useful in and of himself. He needs somebody to, you know, show him around. But I always find it fascinating how. Is he like the de facto leader, though, right? Yeah. But the power set of duplicating other people's powers always seems to make you into a jerk. Because a couple of years after this, there's an X-Man, the Mimic, who shows up with the same sort of powers, and he's played as a jerk. Hmm. And the Super Adaptoid has similar powers, and he's always played as just an utter jerk. And Ultron and Amazo and all those guys. Yeah, all of those guys are basically anything you can do, I can do better, apparently inherently means you're a villain. Or in this story, at least an anti-hero who has Well, so. But they're not really anti-heroes, right? So they're they're teenagers and they're brought before this this president guy and they're like, look at how these wonderful these could be our superheroes. And the president's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then as soon as they leave the room, he pulls his uh, his henchman aside and he says, we need to get rid of these kids because they're, if if they're they're, they're a, threat a threat to my to my power and they could overthrow me just like that. So send them away. Make up some lie that we're going to send, you know, that they're awful and we can't have them on the planet. And so these teenagers go off into space for like years going from planet to planet and being chased away. And then finally they get this message from Earth. And this is so we get this um this legion of super outlaws, which they're not really outlaws. They're just misunderstood yeah. and they're just being rejected because they're different, which, you know, as we look at the X-Men, them being mm-hmm. rejected because they're different kind of is following along the similar path that the legion of super outlaws have. It's just like we're different and no one wants us and we don't know how to to deal with that. We just want a place to call our own. If only someone yeah. could put an island off the coast of California and put all the mutants there, life would be good. <laughs> Yeah, that happened for like 40 years later. It was but here's, terrible. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. There's this guy. This guy. This guy who's a bad guy. He's the bad guy. And first of all, he's this mad scientist who has a hidden <laughs> observatory that he goes yes. to, which is like classic 1930s like villain stuff, right? I mean, the mad monk yeah. uh, from Batman had that. Superman had uh, that in the uh, Fleischmann uh, serials. Uh, the Fleischer cereals as just Fleischman like, makes butter. Dude. Yeah, no, it was in the it was in the if you put butter in your cereal there, you've got that going, too. But this mad scientist with a hidden observatory trope, mm-hmm. I think, is somewhat worth talking about. It is interesting because, I mean, Dr. Martin King. Yeah, which is who important is in, here in a minute. Yeah. An evil, evil thing has like giant telescopes in a secret lair. And 
Yeah, it's very old school, and it's kind of unusual to see this. He feels like a 20th century villain, like a, a you know a Superman or a Green Lantern yeah. villain. Yeah, just sort of transplanted but I mean, this, into this story. We've seen this in uh, Mega Man, that movie. Uh, Mega Man has an observatory, a hidden observatory. I don't. When did when did that suddenly become the thing that all mad scientists are up on a cliff, away from society, and looking down upon them, and using his electro beams to to destroy the city or demand the city pay him one million dollars uh, in order Forbidden for planet. protection. Maybe. I don't know. Forbidden. I just found it really interesting that 1964 yep. that there that uh, that Edmund Hamilton is using this 30 year old gimmick, maybe even yeah. before that 20s. It may come from the pulps. I would definitely say that that's pulp uh, illustrated stuff going oh, yeah. on there. But here's where cool continuity comes in. Now we've started to see continuity come through in the last couple of episodes with the time trapper and his story starting to feed throughout. But, uh, listeners to this show may have remembered at one point we were talking about these new Legion members that were trying to join. And one of them was jungle King jungle King. Yep. Now jungle King ended up getting killed. Remember he kind of went nuts. He was rejected because people are like, Hey, you don't really have control of these animals. Like you said, you do. We're rejecting you. He couldn't even get into the uh, Legion of Substitute Heroes, and he went mad, right? And he devised this plot where he was going to kill the Legion of Superheroes, and he had all these monsters under his control. Turns out he rejected, like, what was it, this ghost, uh, this, not a ghost thing, this uh, uh, vapor thing, this vapor beast thing. Mm -hmm. Came back, he got killed at the end of that issue. That was Action 309, which I believe is in Episode 12, if you want to go back and check it out. Marden King, the villain in this story, was Jungle brother. King's brother. And the whole thing about this issue is he's getting revenge because he believes that his brother was killed by the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. How cool and is that? That is really neat because that's almost, well, that's 15 issues ago. Yeah. Which is kind of unheard of in 1964 terms to do a tie in that old. I mean, it really, really is kind of neat to see these early continuity bits building. And again, you know, 40, 50 years down the line, this is why we see people fascinated with this era of Legion. It's the fact that if you pick up any two other random issues of action, they will literally have nothing to do with one another from that same era. But right. this one is a direct sequel to 309. Yeah, I just I just found that so fascinating. I was like, holy crap. Uh, that was literally my reaction. That was that's it. Literally, you can hear him from space. Uh, yeah, you could. Well, also because uh, Martin King had that giant telescope, which allows him to see in detail millions upon billions of light years away. And not just see, but here, but here and What's see time happening? and see time uh, change in real time. So anyway, right. um, he sends out this message to the Legion of Super Outlaws saying, hey, man, here's this planet that will welcome you. And soon as they land, he rushes up to him and says, oh, my gosh. Uh, you guys, uh, this is a perfect planet for you, but there's these this evil, tyrannical group called the Legion of Superheroes, and if they find you here, they're going to just force you away. And the Legion of Super Outlaws is like, no, no, we want to stay here, and we will fight to keep that from happening. So one by one, they start taking down the Legion members using their powers, yeah. except for except for, for Duplicate Boy. Right, Duplicate Boy does well. He's as I said kind of a dullard oh but he's he's nice he well he's sweet 
He's uh, like he's even sweet on someone. He he throws Superman into a, a Krypton cage using Superman's own powers, and then when he goes after Shrinking Violet, she shrinks herself down and runs into a a, fair, a weasel hole. Right. Yeah. Got to watch out for your weasel <laughs> hole, there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Be careful. Never but put duplicate, a Shrinking Violet in your weasel hole. But that Duplicate is Boy is like, you learn. oh, on my planet, this thing looks familiar, and if that's the case, that girl is going to be in trouble. So he rushes in. He shrinks down using her powers. Right. Rushes in with a bunch of twigs and lights them on fire and scares the weasel away, saving shrinking Violet. And instantly we've got a whole Romeo and Juliet thing going on because they both really dig on each other. Love in the future time. And of course, you know, King just continues to pit the heroes against one, one another until eventually yep. his plot is revealed. And, um, they capture him and, and release the Legion and everyone is happy except for, and, and then it goes back to your discussion earlier, Matthew, about how the superheroes of Laylor are mm-hmm. welcome back. And you, we never see the president like running away in terror of that planet. No, the Lalorians are also a very, very feckless and somewhat stupid people, but they, they welcome the, the Legion of superheroes of Laylor back and everyone's yep. happy, including Shrinking Violet and Duplicate Boy, because at the end, he's like, look, I got super speed and girl, I'm going to run all over space to get to see you. Oh, yeah. Love in space. And it is very important that when we talk about these early relationship type issues, when we, you know, we bumped into the Lightning Lad Saturn Girl and the Ultra Boy Phantom Girl, Mm -hmm. Shrinking Violet. And Duplicate Boy are another long-lasting relationship, albeit long-distance, weird, awkward, maybe not entirely satisfying for either of them. Well, you know what relationship is, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, so here's the reason why I like this issue so much is, yes, Monel could be considered can be considered a character from continuity that is, you know, brought into the world and has many issues of tales going for him. And yes, time trapper is there, but this is one that's just like pulling a relatively minor villain mm-hmm. from almost a year prior and, and makes then, this a, a revenge plot. And I find that super fascinating. And, and as you said, that is what's going to drive a lot of the Legion stories going forward. Things that are happening yeah. now will have repercussions 10, 15, 50 years from now. And Martin is a relatively minor piece of this story. It's interesting that his quest for revenge isn't actually the focal point here. <laughs> his quest for revenge is really just kind of a MacGuffin that throws things into, into motion, allowing the heroes of Lalor to show that they're not jerk faces. Right, right. And, you know, especially Duplicate Boy. And by the way, this Duplicate Boy costume is just gorgeous. (laughs) I mean, John Ford's costume designs are a little freaky, but Duplicate Boy is basically wearing a green leotard. With his underwear on the outside. And black trunks, black trunks underwear with diamonds all the way around it. And it's something that I would totally wear to the beach. I'm I'm sure you would. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Also, uh, Beast Boy's design is fascinating. We'll see more Beast Boy later, he said. So my guess is, as you said, we will see many of these guys later because Shrinking Violet and Duplicate Boy are going to have a a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Has there ever been 
a book released from any publisher that just collects and reflects upon the best of the best letters columns pages? There haven't been, to my knowledge, just letter column books, but there are a few collections of uh, Legion outposts and things that were going in the in the mailing groups and the APAs in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. I would love to see a book that collects just the letters pages from these classic Marvel and but, DC books. But then also provides commentary because, you know, you could do a whole thing on, hey, here's this introduction where Polar Boy is first introduced in this letter column. And here's what happened after right. that. You had all of these kids writing in with characters that would later become this person and this person and this person. And you just put in those little letter columns pieces. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, we mm-hmm. talked about what happened to Bouncing Boy. He walked in front of a ray and got shrunk into a thin boy. And at the yep. time, I was like, uh, this is going to cause some problems, or at least in this time period today, yeah. if that were to happen, the letters columns, the Twitter outrage, the blogosphere would explode over that. Mm-hmm. In 1964, People were upset about thinning down of of Bouncing Boy, including this letter from uh, doesn't say who it's from. No, it says anonymous, right? Mm -hmm. It says, dear editor, when Bouncing Boy became skinny and lost his powers, I was very sorry. I'm fat like Bouncing Boy used to be. Now there's nobody in the Legion who is fat. Before Bouncing Boy lost weight, I felt like I wasn't the only fat person in the world. Now I feel bad. Please make Bouncing Boy fat again. Anonymous. And that's sad, a long right? Distance dedication. Right? That's really sad. And we've talked about we've talked about, you know, how the Legion is super um representative and mm-hmm. that it's great that you have people of all shapes and sizes, of different races, of different religions, of different backgrounds. Well, not all races yet, but they'll eventually get there. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point, the editor of this book is is kind of tone deaf. Because the follow-up is At present, we have no plans for restoring Bouncing Boy's powers. However, cheer up. Lots of fat people in the world have done quite well. Presidents Grover Cleveland and William Howard Taft were both fat, you know. (laughs) Well, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. (laughs) But man, that really feels like it's missing the point. It, it is missing the point. And to some degree, we are still seeing editors miss this point. I actually, I had this happen recently. I was watching something and I'm like, oh my God, I had a moment of feeling represented by a story. And it freaked me out because I, I don't necessarily ever think about that because so much of the work is just like default. Hey, look, middle-aged white guy, this is for you. But I really do think that the idea of bouncing boy as a heavy character that people can look at it and say, look, here's a superhero. He's fat like me. I think that's a good thing. And I think that the, the types of initiatives that we're seeing in modern comics to make sure that people can see themselves in their heroic fictions are absolutely necessary and good things. And it's interesting to see that 50 years ago, this was starting to happen. And now we're still having these discussions and we're still seeing people tell flat out tell people what this anonymous boy and or girl told Edmund Hamilton back in 1964. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. Quite a few fat people have become presidents. Grover That's Cleveland true. and William Howard Taft <laughs> are just two. He was, there are some that are, there will be, be nice. some that will be in the future. I mean, I, honestly, I feel like this is just short of don't worry, fatty. You have a place in society. That's, that's it essentially what worse. this person is saying. 
I remember reading a Koeniger edited issue of either Flash or Wonder Woman where somebody wrote in and said it had to be a Flash issue because he was talking about how he was heavy and he was proud that even though the Flash is fast and skinny and runs, that he's heavy and he and his friends are, are a club of heavy people. At which point Koeniger, who was uh, answering the letters, was like, well, kid, let me tell you something. I've been fat and I've been thin and thin's better. So shut your hole. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> Well, not literally, but words to that effect. Well, and that's kind of what I feel about this. So what they've done has repercussions. And if you remember from that previous episode where we say Bouncing Boy doesn't show up for 20 20 odd episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah, I wonder why that may be. There's also something else that I found very fascinating in this, too. And we've talked about the, as I mentioned earlier, the creation of new Legion members. Mm -hmm. Dear editor, the Legion of Superheroes is my favorite why don't you have a story in which the Legionnaires marry and have children? The children have powers uh, inherited from their parents, but combined to form new powers. Good idea. Mm-hmm. That's from Gary from St. Louis. And the editor's like, good idea. We'll keep that in mind for a future story in 1978 mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> Not only that, the, you know, the, combined parent powers shows mm-hmm. up multiple times, yep. not mentioning any names, <coughs> validus, but, Sorry, I had something in my throat. Oh, was it Validus? Shh. Adventure Comics number 325. Lex Luthor meets the Legion of Superheroes. Published November 1964. Written by Edmund Hamilton with art by John Forte. Superboy's new future pals meet his old friend and future worst enemy. That's not Phyllis Diller. That is Phyllis Diller. Look at her. No. That is a terrifying Phyllis Diller face. No. It's it's I think horrifying. she's a real I think it's a real person. What's her name? Uh it is whatever they say at the beginning of the at the issue, what her name is. I'm Paulette trying to get... Breen. Yeah, Paulette Breen. I'm best so if you don't Never know what we're talking your back about back on a Breen. <laughs> yes. If you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, uh, we've talked about these crazy PSAs that DC was running back in the 60s. This one is Smokings is for Squares, and yeah. it's got these kids smoking outside of a playhouse theater or something. And, yeah. and two of them are trying to, to pressure this young kid into smoking, and he's like, no, Paulette Breen wouldn't like that. And they're like, oh, man, girls love guys who smoke. And then Paulette Breen shows up, and she's like, no. And she, I, I picture her with a real southern accent. You hear her as Babs from Animal House. Yes, don't you? yes, a little bit. <laughs> that boy is a P.I.G. pig. Uh, but, you know, she basically says, oh, yeah, I don't like smokers. And she walks off and then the kids are like, yeah, I'll stop smoking. Except for the one kid who's like, I don't care what she says. I'm going to continue to smoke. And that man grew up to but be I'm, Benson Hedges. I'm going to bet that there is such a person as Paulette Breen. Paulette Breen was Miss Teenage Toledo at the age of 15, it says. Yep. She's uh, in the IMDb, born in 1947. Passed Uh, away in 2014. Yep. So there you go. That's a real life likeness in there. Not Phyllis Diller. She looks like Phyllis Diller to me, man. This issue, though. Again, when we're talking about continuity. Mm-hmm. Something cool going on right now, even though the last couple of issues and even last issue and this issue have some some real social backsteps. I like this one because it features Lex Luthor coming from the future or coming from the past to the future. And they're referencing like, well, how did Lex Luthor become 
Superboy's arch nemesis. And they go into the whole story where Lex Luthor and Superboy used to be buddies. Superboy built him a, a whole like Kim lab. And then it caught fire and Lex Luthor lost all his hair and therefore he blamed uh, Superboy and became his nemesis. Yep. And so that's actually the first place. This story may be the first time I actually remember recognizing a Lex Luthor. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because I thought I that remember, that story was like from like five or six years before the origin of Lex Luthor. No, I mean, this is this is one of the earliest books that I remember having read. With a oh, Lex oh, OK. OK. This is Lex Luthor himself dates back much, much before this. Oh, yeah. My yeah, brain yeah. doesn't. So we're figuring 1975, 76. I bumped into this somewhere along the line because yeah. I remember reading it. Well, so anyway, uh, we have uh, who is a cosmic boy and um, a triplica girl are going to steal some brains in a jar. <laughs> That's Matter Eater Lad. I'm sorry, Matter Eater Lad. Triplicate Girl. These are the brain lords of Khan. They have appeared before, haven't they? No, the brain globes of Rambat. Ah, okay. Too many. These are the brain lords of Khan, <laughs> who I believe are actually, they're related on their mother's side. Yeah. Their last name is, both of their last names are hyphenated. <laughs> their mother's maiden names were brain, but this maiden, she married a lord, whereas the other one married a globe. I, I guess because there's too many brains in a jar. Also Khan, the planet Khan. There's a lot Khan. of stuff in these adventure comics and these Legion of Superheroes tales that predate Star Trek by many years. Yeah. Yeah. Also, everyone on planet Khan is terrifying. They're all evil, right? That's a, yeah. a planet full of uh, like henchmen. Yep. But Fort has given everyone these thick beetle brows and hateful evil laughs. And one of them is staring think, out into the page. I think I honestly think that they're stereotypes, bad negative stereotypes. You think the only thing that's missing is kind of like a thick accent of a type. Mm, could be. I would not disagree with you on some of these. I, I kind of saw that. And I was like, ooh, I'm moving past those panels as quickly as possible. Let's get to the part where this, this giant cylinder shows up and saves a matter year lad and triplicate girl and turns out to have a young, handsome Lex Luthor inside. With hair. And he's like, hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. gentlemen. My name is Lex Luthor. I just How want- are you? I just want pictures of you guys to remember my trip. And they're like, everyone's like, shh, shh everybody. This is before he turned evil because we all know he turned evil when he lost his hair. Therefore, he hasn't gotten that to that point in his own timeline. He's still good. So everybody don't tell him that he's going to turn evil. And then, of course. He finds out. When Monel shows up. Mon-El. Lex Luthor finds out that he's going to be evil someday. Interestingly, and this is something that I'm looking at this panel and it, it just stands out. Monel shows up wearing a flight belt. Yes. Why does Monel need? Why does God need a starship? <laughs> yes, but exactly. Why does Monel need a flight belt? I have a feeling that uh, when who is it? Fort drawing this. Uh-huh. Um, I just have a feeling that he forgot. Either that, or he drew somebody else, and they drew Monel over him. Well, uh, that could be the case too, because that was my original thought when I saw that. Was oh, um, this was going to be someone else. But then they realize that Oman Hill has a better connection to Lex Luthor than anyone else remembered. Right. Lex and Monel were both active in the 20th century. Yeah. So Lex finds out that he's going to turn evil. And there's this really kind of interesting concept that's going through this story of 
hey, maybe we can just go back in time and do something right. to make sure that Lex never turns evil. And, yeah, can and, you change destiny? Can and, you yeah. change a person's future? And can you change someone's nature? And Brainiac's like, I think messing with the timeline's a really bad idea. And even when Lex finds out, he's like, can you please figure out if there's some way to make me not evil? And so Brainiac does all these tests and says, nope, you're destined to become a failure. You're destined to become evil. Yeah, it is your density. It's like, it's really, I mean, that is a, that is a deep concept, right? Yeah. When you think about it, it's like, I know we all like to think that we have free will. Right. And this book is basically saying, or this story is basically saying is like, no, you don't have free will. Your history is written even before it's your history. Your destiny is already there. You are destined Lex Luthor, no matter what to become evil. And here I thought at one point when he's uh, Brainiac's or yeah, uh, Brainiac's like, I have no idea where my force shield belt came from. I figured, oh, Lex Luthor is going to go back into the past as a good guy and he's going to create Build the, force, the, field the force field belt. But no, this is about your destiny. I mean, we go back even to the Greeks, like with the, the weird sisters with the mm-hmm. with the thread and someone's holding it at birth, someone's holding it at life and someone's cutting the thread at the end of your life. It's like, oh, you can't change that until somebody does. Right. And I just find that a fascinating concept, especially to be talking about it in a comic book without addressing it directly. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm sure this has been, a, like I said, a concept that's been around since ancient Greeks. But I wonder if it was a thing that came up in, quote unquote, nerd discussions in the 60s. I know that you saw it in classic science fiction. I mean, mm-hmm. discussions of good and evil and whether they're intrinsic states or whether it's, you know, a matter of your actions. But it's interesting to see it here because it underlines something else that we find really eventually comes to hamstring the Legion. And that is now, whatever now is in air quotes, you know, now mm-hmm. for a value of 1964 is what's important. Right. This is a Luthor from 10 years ago, a Luthor from 1954 or whatever. He's in the 30th century where they have, you know, massive wonders. But what's important is the now of 1964. And we know that in that now, the comics that are being printed that are being, you know, in that actual time frame have Luthor as a villain. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that the Legion can do in the future to change what's going to have already had happened in the past to Lex Luthor. So eventually it does come to destroy the Legion more than once. Uh, it does it in 94. It does it again in 2005. The question of how do you interact with the world a thousand years from now? Mm-hmm. How do you make those stories feel like they have some actual bearing and some drama? This one succeeds right up until we discover Lex Luthor's actual deal. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, if I remember correctly, at least with maybe not with Superboy, but other people who have traveled to the future and come back, mm-hmm. um, they kind of forget what the future is. Right. I mean, they kind of have some vague notion, but they don't come back and say, Oh yeah, flying cars are everywhere. And here's the secret to the nine planets, ice cream shop and all that stuff. Well, I know that Lana, I think came to the future and had her brain partially erased or oh, something. Yeah. Well, you know how Superman does that a brainy racy thing. Here's the thing that kind of still bothers me about what the Legion of Super and again, they're kids, right? The kids are going to make stupid mistakes because kids do that. They're like, okay, future evil person. We're going to let you wander around in the 30th century to suss up whatever you can (laughs) suss up from all of what's around you. 
then we're right. going to send you back in time and maybe you'll do something with it. And you're right. At that point, they're like waving him away. And then Lex Luthor pulls off his wig da, 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 da. and reveals that he's been the evil Lex Luthor all along. Yep. He only saved Matter Eater Lad and Triplicate Girls so that he could get in the Legion's good graces. And he's actually trying to suck up as much of their uh, technology or future knowledge as possible to wipe out the Legion and make himself the greatest villain of them all. all. And he's going to do it by using something called the dissolving ray, something that the Legion was like, oh, this is like the worst weapon ever. So they melt it down to slag. But Lex Luthor mm-hmm. is able to reverse engineer it. And he's he, a genius. And he one by one. Well, not one by one, but uh one at a time and in small groups starts to dissolve the Legion of superheroes. In reality, yeah, he's just sending them off to the phantom zone. Right. It's still dis- just disturbing. Oh yeah. It's Lex Luthor is like super evil genius in this, in this issue. And you know, it does beg the question when Lex shows up wearing his wig, mm-hmm. you kind of ask yourself, isn't Monel there and doesn't Monel have x-ray vision? Well, but uh, no, not initially, because remember, he comes flying in and he's like, oh, my gosh, it's Lex Luthor. Everyone get away. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm innocent. And uh, then they explain everything to Monel, and he's like calming down. So it would almost be it's not like your X-ray vision is on all the time. Mine is. No, I don't think so. You got to turn that stuff on or off or you're going to cause eye cancer or something. I live on a beach in Sweden. Yeah. Um, So it's not until the second encounter where Monel and Lex meet each other that uh Monel's like, Oh, I've used my X-ray vision and now I'll use my super breath to blow off your toupee and ha ha. <laughs> and then uh, Lex Luthor is now like, ha ha. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating how he takes them all down, <laughs> thinks he dissolves them. And then he does it like on live television. Yep. And we see these countless worlds. Space TV watchers are stunned you get to like Polar Boy's planet is on. No, it looks like Polar Boy's planet. I guess it's just the space police, the science police yeah. guys. With Yeah, with the giant balloon helmet that he got. Yeah. And he's like, oh, those gallant martyrs will be mourned forever. And then there's this uh, evil guy because you can. he looks like Racer X, but he's got a skull and crossbones on his, <laughs> he looks on his like, helmet. He looks like X the Eliminator from the Birdman cartoon. Yeah. And he's like, blast Lex Luthor. Like every space criminal, I wanted the glory. He beat me to it. Yeah. Turns out there's something about the Phantom Zone we've never known about, Matthew. There's a couple of things about the Phantom Zone. Well, specifically in this issue, we find out that in the Phantom Zone, you everyone has telepathy. Right. In in the future, everyone is magic, and in the Phantom Zone, everybody is telepathic. The combined efforts of the telepathic Phantom Legionnaires force him to release them from the zone. Yeah, they they send these messages like, um, was it the ultrasonic subconscious uh, subliminal messages from the Phantom Zone? That releases phantoms from Zone. And press button that releases phantoms from Zone. And so while Lex thinks he's dissolving somebody, he's really just reversing the Phantom Zone projector, and everyone pops out and they they capture him. And then of course that also happens on live TV, and Lex Luthor becomes the laughing stock of the entire universe. And in his shame, he travels back in time, back to where they, he came from, cursing the Legion of Superheroes. They let him go. Again, they just that's, let him go. I don't understand that. I, and again, it is this nature of time travel. We've already discussed, you know, your destiny, but it's also this nature of time travel of 
Should we just like lock Lex Luthor up here in the future where he's never going to bother anyone? Because then that creates that paradox of, yeah, but Lex Luthor is also a supervillain when Superman is an adult. So that also causes problems. Right. If they kept him or if they did something to keep him from coming home, they would create a time paradox because we know that Lex Luthor is a large part of Superman's adult life. Again, the most important story is the now. Right. And I do, however, think that it is a little dangerous that they didn't even, you know, give him a telepathic Imra whammy. But see, this is this is the second time he's done that. Right. Remember when he created his evil robots full of hate tape? He was, he was communicating, he was communicating with them in the future from that, uh, subspace radio thing that he made. Well, those robots, much like myself are powered by hate. Well, but I'm saying it's like Lex Luthor seems like he's always known of the Legion of superheroes. And even if they tried to do a mind wipe, he would find out about them again because, you know, like Superman's going to go on television one of these days and the Legion are going to show up and say, Hey, Superman, it's your life. This is your life. Yep. So instead, and also the president. Right. And so Lex Luthor flees in his time cylinder. Bah, the whole cosmos is laughing at me. The legionnaires are allowing me to return to my own era, knowing this humiliating defeat is punishment enough for my bruised ego. But I'll get right back there, at them someday. I swear it. That right there, I think, underlines something important about Legion stories is these are kids. Right. And occasionally they remind us that they're kids because they the fact that stuff. young, yeah, well, young Lex being humiliated in front of the entire galaxy, oh, he suffered enough. Let's just let him go home and lick his wounds. An adult Lex fighting, say, the Justice League, they would not give him that courtesy. They would not, they wouldn't be that, what's the word I'm looking for? They wouldn't be I that lenient. Say, I mean, yeah, well, you're lenient, but also a little bit foolish. I mean, they wouldn't be that cavalier about it because, again, they're teenagers. And they're like, well, you know, somebody made him look bad. That's the worst thing that can happen. For a teenager, a, yeah. Teenager, yeah. Yeah, for a teenager. Fascinating. We're teenagers after all. Matthew, we've reached the end of another Legion Clubhouse run. This has been really, really yeah. fun. And really, really exciting. And I've enjoyed going through these 20 issues with you and vicariously with our listeners who are who are listening to these uh, right now or in the future. Hello, future Legion superhero substitute members. (laughs) Substitute auxiliary backup reserve members. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, this is a lot of fun. It is. I really wish that we could continue this series. But right now, the funding uh, is not there. So until we get the funding or, you know, we have an excellent, uh, person step forward and wants to fund another 10 episodes. This is the end for now. Uh, if you guys want this to continue, and I know that there's a lot of you out there because the download numbers on the show are really, really good. If we can get 10% of you, if we can get, I don't know, maybe even less than half, we can get like 300 of you who are listening to this show right now. If we can get you to go over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up, I think we can hit that next goal. In fact, I've created a goal at the, oh, I guess I haven't put it, uh, made it live yet, but I believe at the $3,500 level, which we're only about $1,500 away from that right now at the $3,500 level, Legion clubhouse can be a regular show, but we need your support. And the only way that this show can continue, because Matthew and I are 
busy doing so many other things, all of our other shows that we do and produce. And I've only got a limited number of time in the day to sit down and edit shows and prepare shows and update sites and all that kind of stuff. Um, we need the funding to do more stuff. And we can do that with your help. And that's where I'm asking you, if you enjoy this show, if you found $2, even $2 an episode worth uh, worth your time, or even $5 for a month of shows, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and sign up. That $5 level, if 300 of you signed up at that, $500, uh, that $5 level, boom, we'd be back in a couple of weeks with even more episodes. And we'd be able to keep it going. There's a lot more Legion, man. There's so much more Legion. And as you found out in this episode, there's some real cool things. This whole continuity thing that's starting to solidify in the Legion lore and the fact that uh, actions are going to have repercussions down down the road. We haven't even gotten to what happens to Triplicate Girl yet. Oh, my gosh. We don't even know what, what the secret of Computo is. I know, right? And what about the weirdo Legionnaire, you guys? Yes. Don't you want to know about the weirdo legionnaire? I and know I do. Don't you want to get to the point where they all get old and they get married and they have kids and their kids have superpowers and then we reboot with a whole new cooler legion? Of course you do. And we can do that with your help. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Go sign up today. We really appreciate it because we want to see this show continue and I know you do too. Well, Matthew, it's been, been a fun run. I can't wait to see our legion of listeners yeah, see what I did there? I get it. Legion, Legion of Super Listeners. Da, 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 da. Come forward and make this show continue for us. The LSL, if you will. Yeah, because I can't wait to uh, to get more into this. So I think that wraps it up for the Legion Clubhouse for now. Big cliffhanger, right? Da, da, we'll da, see da. you next time. Question mark. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.